Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all of football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Off and rolling. Happy Thursday out there, August 3rd, 2023. And welcome in to the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, Gabe Coon, on X. At G underscore Coon, 71, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman. I am alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon. So that'd be Connor Dunning on Twitter at CDunning929. Connor, what's up? What's up, sir? It's a big day for me. It's a big day for me. You want to know why? I think you know why. I think I know why. I get to watch an NFL game cover to cover tonight. Football is back. Hall of Fame game. Jets, Browns (laughs) tonight. Well, yeah, kind of. Zach Wilson versus Kellen Mond. Just the matchup of the century, huh? But I get to watch it cover to cover. I cannot wait. The battle of the bus. And I will be betting on it. I have to. I have to. It's 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 obligatory. I'm not gonna throw a bunch of a bunch of money down, but I have to. You can pay a dollar. Right now, on. Jets minus one and a half. Browns plus one ten. I think there's some value there, but we'll talk about that as the show goes along. But we have three hours to talk on the way, courtesy of 929 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. We'll open on Tigers playing in the DR. They lose 91-84. They cut down a 20-point deficit. To make it close, to make it close to the end of that game. And uh, I was very encouraged. I know there's going to be overreaction about what they put on the floor, but their potential starting three was playing on the other team, and their potential starting four is not there right now. And, again, there's no guarantee that DeAndre Williams is going to play with the team, but I thought 91-84 against a bunch of pros, that was damn impressive. That was damn impressive. Now, we also have obligatory – Realignment talk. The update there is that Big Ten presidents have told Commissioner Tony Petiti they're authorizing looks at expansion. So Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, they're all in play right now. Doesn't seem like the Big Ten wants to be predatory, but depending on what happens with the Pac-12, they may have to be. They may have to be, ultimately. As far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins Show and Daily Memphian. And then 6 o'clock, get some college football talk. Yes. Gotta love it. We had one, uh, day one of Tiger football fall camp, um, but it's, it's fall camp around the country. Uh, Jake Crane from Crane & Company will be joining to talk some college football. And he has, I mean, he coached at South Alabama, uh, special teams coach. Again, has his own show, national sports show uh, for Crane & Company. And his dad was a coach at Auburn for nine years. He played college football. He's been around the block. He's an encyclopedia. I mean, he really is an encyclopedia of college football knowledge. We'll hop into the Blitz uh, around 6.30. And the Magic, this situation's kind of strange, isn't it? This Magic situation, the Magic uh, and the DeVos family, uh, using the Magic's money, made a $50,000 contribution to Ron DeSantis's presidential campaign. And the NBA Players Association has pushed back on that saying a political contribution from the Orlando Magic is alarming given recent comments and policies of its beneficiary. And that beneficiary, of course, Ron DeSantis. So we'll discuss that as well as a Hall of Fame game. And I'll make a pick. I'll make a pick. We're back to picks. We're going under, though, right? Under, you have to go under. It's only 33 and a half, though. 
You got to go under. It's preseason. Yeah. Zach Wilson's throwing passes. Kellen Mond's throwing passes. Dorian Thompson Robinson's throwing passes. I, I think I feel okay about a potential under there. Uh, and of course, the rewind at 650 will get you up out of here. And during small talk today, um, first, I'm going to have to discuss a, a JJ Watt take about the best form of potato. The best form of potato fries, tater tots, any other, any other discussion there. Um, We'll, we'll, we'll decide. He thinks tater tots are the best form of potato. But we'll, we'll, just wait. Save your takes. I know you. it looks like Connor, Connor in the control room, he wants to spray out a take right now about tater tots is what I'm feeling. But then also, it's bachelor party weekend for your boy. Yep. Married September 30th. That's, uh, we'll, be, we'll be in downtown Memphis getting married, me and my fiance. But uh, bachelor party weekend. How was your bachelor party? My bachelor Good party fun. was unreal. Good it fun. was in, it was incredible. It was just uh, we rented out a cabin. Do you think I'll? Do you th- by the way, do you think I'll offend some people with my uh, where we're going for it? I don't think. I okay. think normal human beings wouldn't be offended by you going to a major city to have a bachelor party. Okay, well, well, I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much. Yeah, I don't want to. I'll, I'll tell much. about mine. And we'll do that in small talk. Okay, but Dr. Tigers in the Dr. They went to Santo Domingo last night. And played the Dominican Republic national team. Bunch of pros. Bunch of pros. Lester Quinones there. LJ Figueroa is there. Um, but they have a bunch of pros on that team. Um, and the Tigers, damn, man. Uh, 91-84, cut down a 20-point deficit to get it to 91-84. I think more so than anything, though, I didn't realize the spectacle it was going to be. I didn't realize that they were going to pack the damn house out for Memphis versus the Dominican Republic national team. That was damn impressive. And these these guys, before we really discuss it and overreact to it, we do have to put into consideration, yes, they're pros on the Dominican Republic national team, but they've been practicing. They have FIBA coming up. They've been practicing for quite a while now, where this Memphis team only ran five-on-fives once because of guys trickling onto campus uh, little by little. They have not been able to practice as much. But I thought, damn, considering that fact, that was good stuff. That was good stuff, ultimately. Um you look at uh, a guy like Caleb Mills. He was the leading scorer for the Tigers, 18 points. Um, and I believe he was 7 for 13 from the field. Uh, you look at uh, uh, Javon Quinterly, 13 points, 7 assists. I thought they shared the ball well. I thought they got up and down the floor really well. They ran out. They played good defense. Everything about this team signals to me this is the highest upside we have seen from a Penny Hardaway coach team. And that was without their starting three, who was playing on the other team, and their starting four in DeAndre Williams, well, potential starting four in DeAndre Williams, who's not even on campus yet. Right, and David Jones looked good for the Dominican Republic, too. He had 12 points. I think he was five or five from the field. He was playing good defense. He was, you know, he was around. So even though he was playing for the Dominican Republic, I still kind of take it as a first look at at David Jones for a lot of Memphis fans as well. But to your point, I didn't really expect this to be a, a spectacle either. It was... It's kind of nuts. 8,000 people were in there. I think it was a nearly sold-out crowd. David Ortiz, Big Poppy. Yeah, Big Poppy. Was in the crowd? What? Yeah. That's fantastic. How much do you think it was, you know, the Dominican national team, that probably brought some people. But I wonder if Penny Hardaway and, and the star power that he has might have a little bit of run down the Dominican Republic that we didn't know about. I didn't know I didn't know they, they got behind basketball like that. It was I'm awesome. Just be it was awesome to see. And it looked like they had some good things outside of the stadium going on like vendors and everything else. It looked like it was quite the spectacle. I did not expect that by any stretch of the imagination. You wouldn't think that a, a random college basketball team from America would be that type of draw, right? You'd feel, you'd feel like there'd be like 1,500, 2,000 deep. That's what it would be in America if something like that happened. Well, Quinterly talked about how he's, he's done these international you know, scrimmages with other teams before, but this was the first one that was in front of a huge crowd like this because he, was, you know, he did them on his former stops, but... It's just, it, it's pretty awesome to see. Did you see the story, though, of how they had to get to the arena, what happened? They, the they, bus they, got they stopped. They got caught by, up. They yeah. got caught up. They had to send a shuttle to go get him. The coaches had to walk, and then they, and then they got going. So it kind of makes sense why they may have started off a, a little with, with, you know, they, they got down a little bit early on. But that fighting back from what they were at halftime, it's great to see. And a lot of the scoring was happening in the second half. I was really encouraged by the Tigers' play. I'm really excited for this team. I think the, it's... People that are overreacting to it, acting like they should have won the game, it's like, come on, we got to no, put you, things in perspective a little. I bit. think ultimately, no, you weren't you weren't expected to win a game against a bunch of pros I would that hope have been not. practicing for some time that are trying to get ready for a FIBA World Cup situation. Like, I it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But they hung in there. Ninety one eighty four was the final score. 
Um, but what did we think of the broadcast? Broadcast was sort of in and out. It was okay. It was solid. I, th- I think a lot of people were nervous about the first look, like when it was uh, like 15 minutes out from game time, they had it behind like a – like one of the baskets in the corner, people thought that was going to be the view. We finally we, we got the Listen, we got the overhead beggar, shot. We beggars were good. can't be choosers when it comes to stuff like this. We were able to get a, a live stream. Shout out to the Dominican national team for providing that for the Tigers. It sounds like that's going to be the only one that we get from their their trip down to the DR. And I'm okay with that because it feels like this is the game that you kind of wanted to see. Now, um, moving away from the Tigers, we'll get back to what I what I saw, what I liked, who I liked on this Tigers team last night, but on the Dominican Republic national team, Lester Quinones, what else does he have to do to get out of a two-way contract situation? 30 points, 8 for 12 from the field, 6 for 9 from 3. He absolutely, positively torched the Tigers. And his creation off the dribble is outstanding. He works really hard on the defensive end. He rebounds at a high level. I don't understand how he's still on a two-way, man. And I understand you can talk about, oh, great, well, he's playing Memphis here, but he's been doing this in the G League. He had a hell of a summer league with the Warriors. This guy is a certified pro, and he needs to be treated as such going forward, but he's still on that two-way with the Warriors. And I sort of wonder what their plan is with him. I mean, I, they drafted Moses Moody high, Jonathan Kaminga. They have some young guys that they want to get involved. But Lester Quinones, right this second, I, I don't know what else he has to do to show that he needs to be in an NBA rotation somewhere. And I, and I truly mean that. And I know people will think that's an overreaction, but we have enough of a sample size to understand what this guy is as a player. And I know we're talking about year two for him, but, man, this dude's talent is unbelievable. Real. He has been continually impressive for, for about two years now. Like you said, he's put in the work to turn himself into the 3 and D prospect that we believed he could be when he was playing for the Memphis Tigers. I was a huge, huge beater of the drum saying that Lester Quinones has all the tools to be an NBA guy. It was just going to matter whether he put in the, the effort and the work to make it happen, and he has certainly done that. He has truly turned into a sniper from three, which is a big deal for them. And, you know, they just lost a guy in Jordan Poole whose skill set is very similar to what Lester Quinones does. I do think that Lester brings better defense, though. And he's By a, a mile and, and a half. you know, no disrespect to Jordan Poole. I still think he's a very good basketball player, but Lester's a smarter player when he's out there. Too. I, he's not taking bad shots. There's no doubt. He's setting things up for other people. Like I said, he's locking things down on the defensive end. When you look at the Warriors' depth chart, there's spots for him there. Because there Moses is. Moody is their backup too. Unless it de- I guess it depends on what they do with Chris Paul, but Moses Moody right now is their backup too and Gary Payton II is their backup 3. I feel like Lester is, you know, at least near the level of those two guys. Gary Payton II is very very good on the defensive end, so I understand why he might be ahead in the pecking order there, but Moses Moody I don't know. I feel like that we've seen more from Lester Quinones than we've seen from Moses Moody. I know that the Warriors don't really give a damn about their young guys, but yeah. Lester feels like a diamond in the rough that they found, so they need to give him some playing this, time. This is what always frustrates me about just pro sports in general when you're not coming from that sort of prefer that preferential spot is it's just so hard. You can do so many great things, but you still get treated like you did when you came in. And I feel like Lester Quinones has proven it along the way but he still was an undrafted guy, had to earn everything, and that's how the Warriors are treating him going forward. I still think he'll get minutes with the big club, even though he's you know he's a two-way guy. He'll play a lot in the G League as well. But when they have some injuries, he'll get some minutes. But I, I look at that rotation. I don't see why you can't insert him because I think he can play the two. He can play the three. He can give you good minutes. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. He's uh, just ridiculous. I mean, he played 30 minutes last night, and I didn't see him slow down a bit. I mean, the, the, the skill set is there. The work has been shown. Give my man some real rotational minutes at this point. Last night, he just, I mean. I mean, he torched him. He torched him. I, I said yesterday, I was like, there's we knew, no way. We knew he was. There was though. no late way Lester wasn't going for any, any less than like 25 against the Tigers. And it was cool to see his interaction with Penny Hardaway, all of them laughing together. You know, it does feel like that Penny has a pretty good relationship with all of his former guys, that especially the ones that have made it to the NBA. So it's really cool to see how Lester has developed over the last few years, and I'm, I'm rooting for him fully. The good news is, too, about the Warriors is that they are a, an aging team, so you have to assume yep. that there are going to be games where they sit guys like Steph, Clay, Chris Paul especially, maybe yeah, Andrew right. Wiggins. You never know. So Lester being on that two-way contract, I actually expect him to get decent 
playing time with the Warriors next year. I would be surprised. It would, it feel, it would feel like a wasted opportunity by the Warriors to not give him any run next year with the, with the big squad. Now, also on the Dominican Republic uh, national team was uh, David Jones, and all I can say is eyeball emoji. Dude. Five for five Dude. from the field in 16 minutes, 12 points. I'm excited. Two for two from three. He's a dog. Three for three from two. I mean, this dude, and he was a high-energy guy, uh, obviously came off the bench. He didn't even know if he was going to play last night. That's the Tigers starting three. That is fun to think about. And I honestly, if you sort of replace him, put him on the Tigers team, I, you wonder how that game goes last night. Do they get over top? Do they find a way if he's in that starting lineup? I mean, David Jones, I mean, I, I the three-point shooting was insane to me because I that's not what you really expect him for. You expect the dirty work and him getting around the rim, bullying people, getting rebounds. But the offensive ability flashed in a big way in just spot minutes, in 16 minutes. It was it was so odd watching it last night because it was a different type of Tigers team than I think that we're used to over right. the last few years. It felt like watching a bunch of Kendrick Davises out there. I'm not saying that they're as good as Kendrick Davis, mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is that that poise, that veteran poise you saw throughout kind of the Tigers roster, when they got down, it didn't rattle them too much. They were able to fight back, and Penny even said that he was in a weird way kind of happy that that happened because he got to see what the team, how they responded to pressure like that, especially against – you know, against the Dominican national team, against <laughs> in front of the Dominican crowd, yes. they handled it very well. I, you know, they just seemed like a poised team. They were playing that, smart basketball. They were making the right plays. There weren't many stupid shots happening last night. I am really encouraged by by what I saw. That's it what just, comes with feels, experience, though, it right? It feels just like a different team. It feels like a different team than we've seen the last few years, and it gives me hope that we're not going to have to have these couple of weeks that we've had every single year of this team figuring it out. It gives me hope that they may be able to put the pieces together before they get to conference play and things like that. That's that's what experience gives you. The only worry I have is just eligibility, but talking with Jason Munns yesterday, uh, through his sources within the program, it feels like most everybody, if they're there on site, they're likely going to be able to start the year playing. Jordan Brown was a big question. He played last night, 10 points, 4 for 8 from the field. Uh, one thing I, I think going into the season that I'm going to be watching very, very heavily, and I, I keep banging this drum, is they're going to have to be intentional about getting him the ball on the post, in the post, because it's not normally what they've done. Now, he can stretch out and shoot a, uh, a, a mid-range shot, um, but he's a relatively high-usage big. You're going to have to be intentional about getting him the ball ultimately, and I think he could be a dominant, dominant force in the AAC, like truthfully. I mean, he was already in the Sun Belt with Louisiana. In the AAC, this guy could absolutely light the world on fire. Um, but Caleb Mills was really the story. 18 points, uh, 7 for 13 from the field, knocked down 1-3, and that's not really his, his strong suit. Um, I love what I saw from him last night. I and, did too. And, and him attacking from the mid-range, like that is – that is something in college basketball that gets lost a lot, but his ability, and I think a lot of these guys' ability from the mid-range, uh, you know, Caleb Mills has it, uh, Javon Quinterly has it, uh, Jaquan Walton has it, Jordan Brown has it. I mean, a lot of these guys, that, that mid-range ability is going to loom large and be, be massive for this team during the season. Again, I, you know, I'm going to kind of be beating a dead horse on this one, but I think that the best thing that I saw last night, especially from a guy like Caleb Mills, was the poise that they had in the second yep. half. 13 of his 18 came in the second half when the Tigers needed those points. And, you know, I'm, just, I'm really excited about that starting five. Jordan Brown, I liked what I saw from him, too. I think that the combination of Jordan Brown and Jordan Davis and DeAndre Williams is going to be a pretty formidable you know, <laughs> that's a that's a pretty good trio to have down low if you're the Memphis Tigers. And so it was just I, I'm excited, man. I think there's no really other way, like big take for me to take away from it except for it was even though they lost the game, and I know that a lot of people expect you know college teams yeah. to win these scrimmage Greatness. games whatsoever, but we do have to remember that they were playing the Dominican national team that just qualified for the FIBA World Cup. They've been practicing. They have guys like Lester Quinones who can drop 30 on you. Jordan Davis was on that team. So, you know, there were a few factors there that could potentially lead to that, that led to the Tigers' loss. So I, I think that you can take positives from it, and there's not too many negatives. Um, Jaquan Walton, uh, usually, I mean, we've thought of him because he's 40, he was 40% from three 
at Wichita State last year, their leading scorer. You think about him as a three-point shooter. He showed his ability elsewhere. I thought defensively he was locked in for the most part. You saw him from the mid-range. He can, he can slash, get to the basket. That's going to be a, a solid player. And that could potentially be a bench player. And speaking of bench players, Nick Jordan. I didn't know he had a three-point bag like that. Two for four from three. Ten points, ultimately. And I, I believe just 19 minutes. Uh, that's a guy off the bench who signed in the dark. He was the first uh, transfer portal signee for, for Penny Hardaway this offseason. That's a guy we're not talking about all that much, but that's a winning basketball player right there. Yeah, the I, rebounding, the defense, what he can do and banging in the post. Like there, There's a lot to like about Nick Jordan as well. I think an important thing that we saw last night was the potential preview of this team can score at all three levels, yep. which, like you said, is important in college basketball because a lot of teams just go out there and jack up threes. And, then and you need a bench as well, and I and saw some bench they've players. They've got depth. They've, they have the ability to score at all three levels. I also like how... Again, they stayed poised when they got down big and they were able to come back. They cut it down to three, I think, before the Dominican team kind of closed them out there. But there were a lot of things to be encouraged about. I think just the versatility of this team, and I also like how they have guys who are willing to do the dirty work. Yep. And they don't they aren't just out there to score. That's it it felt like a very, you know, spread out scoring last night, but guys were rebounding the basketball, they were playing defense, they were passing, they weren't just saying, I'm gonna go get my shots. They were trying to play team basketball. And That's, that is something that I think that we need to take away from the game as well. Now, I, I know people will, reasonable people can disagree about intentions of these guys. I mean, these are all high-level basketball players that, I mean, you're talking about Jordan Brown, uh, Pac-12 six-man of the year, 20-10 and 10 guy last year, Javon Quinterly, SEC six-man of the year, uh, all-SEC tournament, uh, dropped 22 in the, in the championship game, SEC championship game last year. Like, you could talk about how high-level these guys and what they expect in getting their shots up. But I was, I was listening to Christian Fowler, my, my podcast co-host over at Bluff City Media on the Bluff Pod, Apple, Spotify, a little shameless plug there. Um, but he was talking with Javon Quinterly. He had a one-on-one sit-down. And I think he sort of encapsulated a lot of the thought process of this team. He said, I've been to the Sweet 16. I want to get past that. I think it's less about the personal gain when you have guys that are in their third, fourth, fifth year of college, and it's more about, hey, what can we accomplish as a team? Everything else can fall into place with my pro career after that. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's fair to have the expectation that this should probably be a Sweet 16 team, especially if they get a guy like DeAndre Williams. We've heard John Martin talk about it and everybody on this station that this team fully put together once you get Jordan Davis on campus and if DeAndre becomes eligible, that's a top 15 team preseason right there. So you have that expectation heading into it. And I did find it interesting that last night it was a five-transfer starting lineup. Yep. And it felt Javon like— Javon Quinterly, Caleb Mills, Jaquan Walt, Nick Jordan, and Jordan. Did, it kind of and felt, they all like felt like watching like, the new age of college basketball. To be event. honest with you, I don't know if either, any of those five guys have gotten a run a, uh, with that five before. They've Again, before they went to the DR, I mean— we're talking about one set of five-on-fives that they've been able to the run at the Lori The first half team and the second half facility. team looked different. Like it felt like that they started to figure something out there toward the end of the uh, toward the end of the first half, and then that second half they came out swinging. And that's I'm really taking stuff if away more. If so there's from any the sign, half. if there's any sign about how they'll be able to gel, I thought that second half shows you uh, sort of the peak of what they could be able to accomplish even early in the season with a bunch of new players around. Um, as far as freshmen were concerned, Ashton Hardaway didn't show all that much. JJ Taylor, I was. I've heard really good things out of camp from him. He got spot minutes. He only had two points. I was not overly impressed, but he's a guy who has a great skill set. He's just going to have to start grinding. He's going to have to grind and start to fit into uh, fit into the system. Carl Sharon Font, if I'm trying to relate it to something that, that we know locally, he had 10 points, uh, really high-energy guy on, on the defensive end, high-energy guy in general. He can get out and run. Um, if I'm relating it to something we know locally, like he almost gives me a little bit of Vince Williams vibes. Oh, a six five, okay. two hundred, really high energy guy has a, has a pretty decent skill set on the offensive end. I liked what I saw from Carl Sharon, and that's a guy that that other people have been excited about. I hadn't heard great things early from him, but again, they haven't run five on fives all that much. But Carl Sharon Font looks like a guy who could be a a helper at some point during this season, and, and if he stays with Memphis, I know how hard that is to project considering where we're at in college athletics with transfers and everything else. But that's a guy who could fit into this team pretty pretty seamlessly and into a Penny Hardaway system. Because what you need to, to run and get run with Penny Hardaway is high energy on the defensive end and fitting in 
offensively, not putting up a, a crazy amount of shots. He was five for seven. He was efficient, and he did what he could defensively. Going back to to JJ real quick, though, isn't it nice that you had a freshman player come in, a prospect come in? He didn't have to light the world on fire, and it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It, it's we've got we've got the guys that that can carry us. You come along as a freshman. You get you have time. Develop your your skill set. Don't rush too much. And if you can become something that is in this rotation that gives you positive minutes for this Tigers teams this year, that's just the cherry on top. It feels nice not having to rely on freshman talent this season and not having to deal with young talent. Like, you have the guys in there already that know how to play basketball, that know how to play college basketball, have a ton of minutes. They may not have those minutes together, but you can see how the puzzle pieces are going to fit together there. And I think last night, if I'm taking anything away, ultimately, it's just a microcosm of what this team could be, that second half, right? You start a little bit slow. You hope they don't do that during their out-of-conference schedule because they don't really have time to do that. Right. But even with that, you have experienced players that can go in at halftime and come back out and say, okay, we need to get this done. Uh, we need to be intentional about this, and then and they then they make it happen. I mean, they outscored the Dominican Republic national team fifty to forty three in the final twenty minutes. You know, yep. they lost the first half, won the second half. I'm okay with that. Yep, yep. Now uh, moving on to Tiger football. Uh, first day of camp yesterday, and all I really uh, want to point out is Frank Bonner, who we had on the show yesterday, um, talked about Seth Hennigan. He talked to Seth Hennigan after practice. And Seth Hennigan said he feels like this might be the most talented team he's been on since being at Memphis. How do we read into that? I mean, I think, truthfully, he's probably not wrong from a talent perspective. And based on the transfers, where these guys were ranked in high school, you have uh, guys that are former four-stars, high three-stars. You have a guy in Simeon Blair in the secondary who started 30-some-odd games at Arkansas. Toski Dove, who started a bunch of games at Mizzou. Uh, Demir Blankumsey, who started a bunch of games at Toledo. You, you really do have a lot of talent, but it's, it's all got a mesh, right? That, that's the end of the day. But I, I think that's a, that's a good sign after day one for a quarterback who's been on campus for three years saying, hey, I think we have the most talent we've had on this field ever yeah, since I've been to here. To your point, I, I'm not sure. I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's wrong. We had the discussion yesterday about how it feels like that they have potential to have one of those skill set guys emerge as the guy that could help them kind of get that offense over the top. It's That's been what they've been missing the last few seasons. Yeah, they just need the playmakers to step up on the offensive side. I'm not as worried about the defense. I, I just need to see them offensively get out of these lulls that they consistently have gotten into the past two years. Um, uh, that starts with the running game and being more balanced, but more so than anything, got to get those playmakers to step up. That's what this program's been built on. That's what it's been built on. I have high hopes. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if those hopes meet you know, actual reality. Expectation is going to have to meet reality, ultimately, for this team to be successful on the offensive side of the ball. Now, realignment, uh, uh, the wheels are turning, and they've been turning for some time now. Uh, we know about Colorado to the Pac-12. Arizona, Arizona State, Utah potentially, uh, or Colorado to the Big 12, I should say. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah potentially to the Big 12 as well. As of today, the update we get is that Big Ten presidents have authorized their commissioner, Tony Petiti, to look at expansion. Let's discuss on the other side right here on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. 
have to say, following what's going on with realignment with Colorado to the Big 12 can make your head spin. Welcome back into the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. But the report today from Brett McMurphy on Oregon-Washington to the Big 10 is that the Big 10 is just trying to figure out financials at this point on Oregon and Washington. A source told Brett McMurphy that there is no more research or information needed on Oregon and Washington. We have everything we need. And according to Brett McMurphy, Big 10 presidents have authorized Commissioner Tony Petiti to look into and at expansion. I don't know what saves the Pac-12. I really don't. At this point, I have resigned myself to the fact that at least Arizona is going to jump into the Big 12. That's going to cause ripple effects. And at which point, you sort of wonder, Arizona State, do they want to tie themselves to, uh, to Arizona? There's another Board of Regents meeting in the state of Arizona today. Um, and they're, they're likely they're going to discuss this. And if that is to happen, if you get Arizona State and Utah as well, certainly Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten seems like it's going to happen. And I, obviously, you know, these are, these, this is speculation, I think educated speculation, but I don't know if there's anything at this point, and I want your opinion on this, Connor. I don't know if there's anything that saves the Pac-12. I don't, I don't think that there is, and it's unfortunate right now, and I know that the Big Ten is out there saying that they don't want to completely gut the, ba- the Pac-12 the year after they lose USC and UCLA, and I, t- I understand that standpoint, and I do think that fans are, are ultimately kind of losing out in this situation, but at the same time, the Pac-12 had... They had time. They had time to figure things out. They had time to put together a TV deal to try to consolidate that conference before all this kind of happened, and they failed to do so. So I have sympathy for for the fans of the Pac-12 that it it does feel like it's dissolving before our eyes. I think it's going to meet the same fate that we've seen some of the smaller conferences see already. But, you know, when you go back and you look at all of the mistakes that the Pac-12 seemingly made the last few years, it it makes sense how how we got here. And now we have Christian Capel reporting, who covers Washington for On Montlake. Uh, he says that the Washington Board of Regents are meeting tonight, and the subject is a special meeting. I Listen, I can read into all these things and tell you that the Pac-12 likely will dissolve. Now, I don't know if they'll keep by name and try to add UNLV, Boise State. I think those schools would have to think about what they're getting into. Um, granted, there's more money over there, but... What, what happens into the future of college football um, with the Pac-12? I think we're going for at least, you know, we have the, the power two in the Big Ten and the SEC, um, but I think we're headed for super conferences, power four, if you will, with the Pac-12 on the outside looking in. And it's just, I mean, you just look at the annual average payout per school, Big Ten, 80 to 100 mil, SEC, 70 mil, Big 12, 31.7. ACC 30.6 through 2035-36. And by the way, FSU yesterday, uh, Florida State, and all of the, I mean, the people up top, the people in their, uh, in their circle are talking about trying to get out of the ACC at some point soon. The Pac-12, it's been reported low 20 mil with escalators based on subscriptions with Apple TV. I don't know. I, I don't know what that looks like going forward. And will that ultimately, if you have Arizona – Arizona State, Utah, Oregon, Washington, all these teams on the precipice of leaving, will it even be 20 mil by the time this thing ultimately gets signed? Right. Probably not. So Yeah, because if you're Apple, you could say, why? We, why we're, 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 we were the... buying the product based on the nine you had. <laughs> right, and they're gone. <laughs> yes, and they're gone. I, I guess there's a thought process out there of add San Di- if everybody stays in the Pac-12, you add San Diego State, you could still sign that deal. No disrespect to San Diego State. I think it's a good program. They have good sports. If that's where you are, though, as the Pac-12, to where you're looking at San Diego State to potentially save your conference, but, it's a bad spot to But be theoretically, like, big, the Big 12 had to make a move like this with BYU and Cincinnati and UCF and Houston. Like, they had to add group of five teams, sure. and you could have called that— uh, But there's a difference between one and four. You know what I mean? Like, right. getting, getting one of them versus getting the four, you know, that's— t- and, and Cincinnati just been to the, to the college football playoff. It's just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's sad, but at the same time— you know, they shot themselves in the foot. Yep, they to, did. To get here. Yeah. I, I get the sense, too, for the Big Ten that they're waiting. Like, if they were to go super conference right now, like Oregon and Washington makes sense. You get to 16, you right. feel okay. If they're going to get to like 20, I feel like they want Notre Dame to be part of that. Part of that. But I don't know if Notre Dame, Notre Dame, there's reports today that they are very stuck in their ways about being independent as they have in, in, 
all of history, ultimately, right? Like, uh, they, they want to stay independent and re-up on contracts, and they likely will be able to get that contract done and, and get their own payout that would sort of rival um, at least the Big 12, about $30 million a year. Um, but I feel like if the Big Ten, the Big Ten, if they're going to expand, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion now Stanford and Cal are probably on the periphery, on the outside looking in of trying to get into the Big Ten. I feel like if they're going to expand and get to 20, get to that super conference, they want Notre Dame to be part of the fold. Yeah. You know, in your opinion, do you think that Notre Dame should make the jump to the conferences? Because it's really, you know, I, you, you've said it, it a, a few times. You've said it a few times. Giannotto and Jeffrey talked about it today. It's really conference consolidation more than anything. Yes, it's, con- it's consolidation over realignment. For, for Notre Dame, I get why they want to stay independent. You can make your own money. You don't have to share it with anyone. And you, and you, you, you have your, you get to create your own schedule and, you align with a lot. I mean, they play out on the West Coast against USC. Um, they play a lot of Big Ten teams, Purdue, uh, other teams like that. So, like, you, you don't necessarily want to align yourself because you want to keep that that schedule Flexibility. sort of intact yeah. and stay flexible. Um, and you still have access to the playoff, right? Like, they, they've, been, they've been in the 14 playoff, 12-team playoff. Certainly they can be a part of that. Um, and, by the way, I expect pretty decent things out of them this year. Um, I mean, uh, Sam Hartman now a quarterback – Sidebar there. But um, I think eventually as we get 15, 20 years down the road, I sort of wonder like if there's that football breakoff we've talked about and them being their own entity, uh, not operating under the NCAA's umbrella, I do wonder if Notre Dame is going to be forced to join a conference. You're talking about college football as a whole. Yeah, college yeah. football as a whole. I just wonder if they'll ever be forced to. I, I, like, I get where they stand right now. I, I understand why they want to stay independent. Um, I don't really have a strong take. I've always thought that getting into a conference would, would be fine. And they'd honestly, if they got in the Big Ten, they'd increase their payout. Again, 80 to 100 mil per team. But I think as we get into the future of college football, they might be forced to align with somebody. I think I agree with you there because right now it feels like other than, you know, the, the revenue deals that they could potentially have to, to increase that a little bit, it's just I think the biggest thing that these conferences can offer a team like Notre Dame is, well, we have an automatic qualifier for the playoff. And they're like, well, but we're Notre Dame. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> like, and, and we by the way, we don't I don't know if that. you saw this. Like, they just signed the Under Armour deal, 10-year deal worth – $10 million annually in cash and gear. It's the richest apparel deal in college athletics. Yeah. Like, they're doing fine Yeah, they're like, have you seen Rudy? Yeah, yeah. we're good. <laughs> yeah, like, they're fine as an independent. So, like, I don't blame them for their thought process on trying to remain that way. But I, I just, I really do wonder if we get to the haves and have-nots conversation, are they going to be able to operate that way, um, operate the same way if we, if we get to – college football sort of breaking off and being that power four structure. They play their own guys, um, the group of five teams that get left behind, play their own championship. I just – It seems like at a point they're going to have to. But for right now, like it seems like Right but, now it seems like they're like, it's not sweet enough yet. It's and it's, all, it's also yet. strange. While everybody's so, – I mean, I, I get that Notre Dame has their own money and they, they chase money in their own way. But considering what they could get by aligning with the Big Ten, they're, they're less they're, – they're chasing less money, Right. They want their own contract. They want to stay independent, where in reality, if they align themselves with the Big Ten, they'd make more. Like, everyone around the country is going for this money-chasing mentality, and Notre Dame has sort of stayed on the outside of that conversation. Yeah, and it seems like at some point the money's going to become too big to resist, and that's what ultimately I think might get Notre Dame to make the jump. But right now I just don't think it's sweet enough to get them to jump in, even though it would be an increase of revenue for them. But we, like we talked about, they, could, they can get into the playoff with name brand alone. They've been able to do that. And I think the flexibility of the schedule is a big deal to them. I really do. I think that for the Pac-12, their fate is going to be decided. It has to be decided in the next, what, 24 to 48 hours? It feels like it. It has to. Because there's no deal signed. You have teams that are threatening their way out. You've had multiple Board of Regents meetings in the state of Arizona. You're now having one in Washington. I feel like their fate, we're going to know here. By the, I, what, how do I, you, I think I would venture to say by Monday, we probably will know the fate of the Pac-12 and the rest of these teams that may align themselves with a different conference. How do you feel about conferences like the Big Ten coming out and saying, well, we don't want to gut them, but... We're still going to do it. Do, do you feel like it's it, they, it would be better if they just didn't say that because they're still doing it anyway? It doesn't make it feel better. <laughs> like I don't want to be stabbing you as the knife goes in. It's you know I'm not sure if it helps. Well, 
I, I think the Big Ten has this playbook, right? <laughs> if, you, if you read through how USC and UCLA came to be. Oh, okay. That right? makes sense. Think yeah. about that. They yeah. had the alliance with the ACC oh, and the Big sorry. Ten oh, and the no. Pac-12. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, we get to West Coast market. We take L.A. Yep, we're going to take that. I don't care if we're aligned with you. If we have an alliance with you, Pac-12, we're going to play nice on the front end, but we're going to take your, take your things. We're going to take your money on the back end. So I think the Big Ten tries to save face by saying these things and, and trying to act very nice, nice at the beginning. And then at the end of the day, they, they will be as predatory as they need to if be. If they were involved in the with the assassination of Julius I, Caesar, they'd be saying sorry as they were stabbing him? But, but I, do, I do kind of believe what they're saying at this moment. It's, they don't want to be predatory because they, they still have to get USC and UCLA involved, and they have to see how that looks. Um, because if, if Oregon and Washington jump right now, they're not going to get the full money. They they'd be a percentage fifty five to sixty million as opposed to eighty to a hundred million. They do have things on their plate that they have to figure out before they start expanding more. Right, but if if the Pac twelve is just dissolving completely, throwing a life raft to Washington and Oregon, I I don't I don't mind that. Like I don't view that as a bad thing. I don't either. I don't either. I think that more so than wanting to gut the teams or whatever, they don't want to be. You don't want to be the last one to do it. You don't want to be the one that makes the move that. Really puts and, the end of the pack. I think that's more so. I right. think what they're saying than we don't want to take their teams. It's more so we don't want to be the ones that put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, but the Big Twelve doesn't care about that. I no. feel like every but every no, other conference just, commissioner, world every other conference commissioner outside of Brett Yormark tries to be nice up front. Brett Yormark's like, we want to end you. Yeah, we will they're put Thanos. you in the dirt. Yeah, yeah we don't care immediately. They're going to take away care. half your yeah half your teams. But I, I've also talked about this. The Big Ten is in a very preferential. Spot. They make the most money off of their TV, their media rights deal. That deal's so good. And, it's crazy. And, like, they can just sort of sit on their hands right this second. They don't need to be worried about expanding right this second. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Because they have what they need ahead of them. They're, they're ahead of the curve. And I, I think for them, as opposed to the Pac-12, they had foresight on all these things. Uh, and you can talk about them being predatory, taking USC and UCLA, but that's a good move for their conference monetarily. Um, but they have the ability to sit back, watch, wait, and then react. They can be reactionary, whereas ACC, Big 12, Pac-12, they can't be reactionary. They have to be very proactive in their searches right now. They have to go try to expand for the Pac-12. They have to try to do anything they can to save themselves, and I guess expanding is the only option at this moment with nine teams. But the Big Ten and the SEC can just sit on their hands and say, all right, what's next? Who wants to join? Because they know, they know who they are. They know the product they have. And I think that that's a that – Shocking. Three-peat, potentially. Number two, Michigan. And I really think if there was ever a year that the Big Ten was going to go win a national championship, I think Michigan, or Michigan to go win a national championship, I think this is the year for them. They have so many returning players. Blake Corum comes back. You have J.J. McCarthy, who could potentially be the best quarterback out of Michigan in a long, long time. Defensively, they're always very, very good. Jim Harbaugh plays that hard-nosed style. They've beaten Ohio State two years in a row. 
they control their own destiny. I like them at number two, and I feel like Michigan, if you pick them to win the national championship, I'm not going to blame you. It's hard for Georgia to three-peat, and especially when you consider all the things going on off the field right this second, there's some distractions. They can't get complacent after two uh, years in a row of winning the national championship. I feel like Michigan's in a very good spot at this given moment. I really um, like their to, weapons on the to, offensive end. To go win a national championship. Yeah, I really like what they have at quarterback in their running game with that with that they got that dual. Their O line they, they have the best O line in the country. The Zach Center really? came back. Yeah. They 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 they, they put out that and I, the reason Blake Corum came back and a lot of these guys along that was the so big. offensive line came back is because they put an influx of NIL money, the return to play fund or whatever the hell they called it. They got all these guys to stay for another year, even though they could have been NFL draft picks. So they have NFL, NFL talent just scattered all across the board, and, and not just NFL talent, they have experience all across the board. These are guys that have been in college three, four, five years at this point. Michigan's in a good spot. Number three is Ohio State. I'm curious how they handle their business. Um, they, they're going to have to deal with a, a quarterback situation, and I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how that's going to look with C.J. Stroud out the door. At least they have Marvin Harrison still. Yes, you know, that's, he, he makes it easier. And Emeka Buka is a really good wide receiver as well. Julian Fleming can make something happen. Um, but Kyle McCord, uh, former four-star, five-star type guy, like he, he has ability. Um, and there were times during the C.J. Stroud era where a lot of the Ohio State fans were calling for him to start. But, I mean, they're going to have to get that quarterback situation figured out. And then defensively, can they – live up to expectations. They have talent. JT Tuamalo, uh, Jack Sawyer, Tommy Eichenberg, they have guys there. They just have to live up to expectations. Uh, number four, LSU before Alabama. Four LSU, five Alabama. Huh. Um, this is something I'm going to have to talk with Jake Crane at 6 o'clock about. Um, who does he have winning the SEC West? I picked LSU just because I feel as if they didn't really lose anything from last year's team. Yeah, they lost Ali Gay. Um, and they lost B.J. Ojolari off those edges, but they can replace those guys quickly. I don't really worry about athletes off the edge for LSU. Um, and then offensively, you have Jaden Daniels, decent running game, good weapons on the outside. Malik Neighbors is back. Like They, they, they do have some juice. And I, Brian Kelly, as much as he was talked about as not a cultural fit for LSU, he is the face of consistency in college football. At Notre Dame, 10 wins a year, college football playoff appearances. LSU, year one, 10 wins, beating Alabama. This is a guy who is consistent as all get out, and I just trust that LSU will be in a similar situation, if not better situation, than they were a year ago. Alabama at number five is, in my opinion, uh, owed to Nick Saban. Hey, he's got it going, and I don't blame them for thinking that. I've talked about it earlier in this offseason that – if you have Nick Saban at the top, you can't doubt this team. But there's a lot of reasons on the field that you can doubt this team. You have to replace a left tackle. You have to replace a quarterback. They had to bring in Tyler Buckner in the offseason to go make something happen because Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson weren't giving them what they wanted in spring. Uh, defensively, they're going to have to replace a lot of pieces on the back end. Brian Branch, like they, they have to find what the only returner they really have back there that, that's going to be a, a massive piece and I guess they have Terry on Arnold as a as, as sort of a reserve guy that could play nickel, and you, you could you could put him in that backfield, the defensive backfield. Um, but Malachi Moore, but he didn't have a good year last year. Um, he's been hurt. He's had some issues. I think he'll have a good year, but there's a lot of reasons to sort of doubt Alabama on the field, like their roster construction at this moment. But it's Nick Saban. It's Nick Saban. Then you have SC at six. Um, Penn State at 7, Florida State at 8, Clemson at 9, Washington at 10. That rounds out the top 10. A couple of local ones. You have Tennessee at 13 in the CBS preseason top 25 college football poll. And then uh, um, Ole Miss at 21. Uh, The only group of five team I see in this poll at this moment is Tulane at 22. So I guess they still have high hopes for Tulane. What do you expect out of Florida State this year? Uh, I expect some good things. I, I just wonder, I mean, after last year, after last year, can you, can you continually repeat that when you have a guy uh, in Dabo Sweeney who's run that conference for a long, long time? You have to dethrone them. You can't, you, you can't, you can't avoid them. They're unavoidable. That LSU 
FSU game is going to be so good. And I think that tells you a lot. It's going to be so good. That, I cannot that's, wait. that's another reason Florida State I'm holding out. I think they're a top 10 team, no doubt. I think that they're going to be a 9-10 win team. But will they get over the top and be the best team in the ACC and have a chance at the college football playoff? I don't know because if you lose to LSU early in the season – you're going to have to be perfect. You can you, you can have zero missteps. You can't lose a game from then on, and I, that's hard to do. I don't give a damn who you are. If you're in a Power Five conference, it's hard to run the table with one loss. All that pressure built up. Guys start overextending, trying to do too many things. But I mean, they they brought in Keon Coleman as a wide receiver, Jaheim Bell at the tight end position. They've uh, they're completely replenished. Uh, on the offensive line, Jordan Travis is an experienced quarterback. Defensively, they have guys coming back. Like, There's a lot to like, but that LSU game early in the season is going to tell us everything we need to know about Florida State and their chances to be a college football playoff team and win the ACC this year. It, it's so wild how some of these games that are week one determine the, the season outcome for, for, for some of these teams. Like Whoever loses that game is going to have an uphill battle. Yes, yes. Now, you have chances to make it up. Don't get it twisted, but you, can, you, you can't have missteps. That is, that's a frustrating feeling, though. Like, one loss in college football really does almost put I – mean, you drive that death nail in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Another loss all the way. Unless ahead. you're Alabama. I mean, last year, that, that second loss, death nail. But it feels like they get more leniency than, uh, than most, I would say. I guess so. I guess so. But even them, you, you can't afford to lose two games. No, not this year. Yeah. But it's just it's, – it's so – Everything in college football with these high-level programs that, that are looking at the college football playoff, it's just so hard, so damn hard, week in, week out, to play these Power 5 opponents and just win, 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 win. We saw Georgia struggle with Mizzou last year. If that tells you anything about just how hard these schedules are. And I know people will talk about Georgia having an easy schedule, but it's just it's, it's still tough to run the table the way they have the past two years. So. We'll see what happens, but that's the CBS Sports Top 25 preseason poll. Jeff Calkins will join the show next. So let's go ahead and get to that right after these messages. 92.9 FM, ESPN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 